The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. For you guys? Yeah? Okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll wait to introduce ourselves and formally start, but... um, We're taking informal comments, (laughs) questions. lot of there may not we may not need all of that time yeah we'll see yeah to be fluid yeah Didn't even notice. Hmm. Did you all see the handout for tonight on the edge of the stage on the corner there? And then if you don't have a copy of, well, I'll wait. I'll let you say that later. It's fine. Yeah, all of those are there as for you to take one if you like to. Yeah. So I'm Tanya Weiser. Welcome back. And um, tonight I'm very grateful to be joined by my Dharma friend. Ying, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. My name is Ying, Ying Chen. Uh, Yeah, just delighted to be here with you all and spending this evening and learning, practicing. Yeah. Happy that uh, Tanya invited me to be here. Yeah. Happy you came. Yes. Very happy. So, um, Tracy, I think everybody else, no, I guess you weren't here last week too, so I'll just talk a little bit about last week. So we normally, when we do the intro series, it's a five-week series. And the first week is about breath. Second week is about body. And then the third week is about emotions. And I just we're doing a, a compacted series this month. So we're doing three weeks. So last week we talked about mindfulness of breathing and body. Tonight we'll do emotions. And next week we'll do thinking. And then the week after that is uh, Thanksgiving, so we won't be meeting. And then in um, January... 
we'll start a five-week, full five-week series. So you're welcome to come back for that. And I'll be co-teaching with Don Neal uh, for that class. So when we, you know, talk about breath, some of the, maybe, and you can also chime in here, but some of the key things that I think about uh, and when I think about my relationship to breathing, it's really changed actually since I started meditating. And um, I feel like it's it's become what I would call a constant companion. Just the experience and being mindful of breathing and receiving the breath throughout throughout my day, walking around, you know, sitting or waking up in the morning. It's just sort of one of the first things that greets me is the feeling I have. And, um, you know, there there are people that have a hard time being with breath because they have anxiety or panic or they have a history of something where breathing was hard. So there's also just the second sort of companion I have is mindfulness of the body, just being aware of the sensations happening in my body, feeling my feet right on the ground can be very orienting and grounding especially um, when we're feeling a lot of emotion or threatened in some way um, feeling our feet or our bottoms sitting on our chair can be very helpful to keep us what I'll call in our home keep our awareness in our home Richard, I think I'm a little too loud. I'm hearing a little bit of an echo. Um, the other thing is uh, we talk about um, establishing an anchor, right? And so an anchor or a tether, something that we use to keep our attention in the here and now because we can get carried out to sea or crash on the shore (laughs) with our thinking and emotions. They can really carry us around, toss us around. So the breath and and or the body are often used as the tether, the anchor, the line that helps us keep finding our way back to the present moment. Do you want to add more words about breath and body right now, Ying? You want to contribute or I can... Yeah. Maybe the only other word uh, that as Tanya was talking about on the anchor or the home, um, I'm I'm usually uh, often thinking about the body as a ground. And so that's the ground I want to rest in. Um, Similar kind of concepts, but just offer another word uh, in case that's something... That's resonating in some way. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Yeah. So the other thing that seems kind of important framework-wise in terms of understanding how this is taught and in this way and why is we are um, progressively giving these instructions. It's sort of like maybe you think about concentric circles and that we keep broadening the circles. And so the circle of our what we're aware of in our experience, 
So the, 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 the center ground might be the breath, right? And then opening a little broader the whole body, which of course includes breathing, right? And then tonight we'll broaden out to include emotions. And then we'll include thinking next week. And then the, the full series, then we would be including a practice called open awareness and daily life practice. So, but mind you, it's not that I think you're going to sit here and not have thoughts tonight, right? So it's not that you won't have the other experiences that we're focusing on. You don't need to make yourself not have these other experiences. They're part of what's happening. It's more like we're preferencing getting to know certain aspects of our experience. We're learning how to tune in to the different aspects, that it doesn't have to be all merged and globbed together, that actually we can kind of choose what we're aware of. So last week I invited you all, and you can just just do it again a little bit, but fill your feet right now. Take a moment to fill your feet. Just where there's pressure, warmth or coolness. Maybe can you feel where your toes touch each other? Can you feel the area of your arch, of your foot? Top of the foot, sides of the feet. Achilles heel, maybe even noticing. Maybe try feeling your left foot. Tuning into that left foot noticing how it feels the sensations the tingling whatever and then shift to the right foot see if you can't take in that foot maybe becoming a little bit more aware of the differences in the feet and with the next inhale Breathing into that foot and then with the exhale, letting go. And then we might choose to feel into, maybe just feeling into our chest, solar plexus, maybe inviting ourselves to even tune into our shoulders and just sort of this core part of the body and how it feels to breathe here. You can even maybe notice the ribs, the side body expanding, not just the front and back body. And then Let's just bring our awareness maybe to the tops of our heads. Can you feel the hair coming out of your scalp? Is it possible to feel the air around the head tingling, itching? 
Just bringing your awareness up to the top of the head. In whatever way you can sense into the top of the head. And then with the exhale, allowing yourself to let go of that. So, this is an example of choosing what we're aware of, directing our attention, being curious about one aspect of our experience, one piece at a time. So it's no different Breath, tuning into the breath in the same way, then feet versus top of the head. You know, um, body, feeling the whole body, you know, versus the breath. Now we'll work on emotion. So we're, we're just learning how to find different aspects of our experience to give it more of our attention, awareness. So... You know, I don't know if it, the trick worked the same way it did last week when you were feeling your feet. Were you thinking about the top of your head? No, right? But it was here. It didn't just appear. It's just that we turned and directed our awareness like a flashlight toward one aspect of our experience. So that's the idea. We're growing, growing that capacity to shine the light in a particular way. Yeah? Okay, let's see. So, any reflections or questions from your practice this week that anyone wants to share? Any, anything anyone wants to ask about or reflect on about mindfulness of breathing or body? And there are microphones. Please use them. Anybody's willing willing to share something? I had to turn it on, I think. At the bottom. Right there. Yes. Um, so I noticed a few times when I was practicing, um, I'll have a good couple of breaths, and then I'll, I'll kind of notice, like, I'll praise myself, and then the next one won't be so good. And then I'll almost sort of judge myself. And I get into this cycle of, you know, I went so long with you know having a good good session and trying to emulate that and continue. That's great. <laughs> Do you have any? I mean, any question about that, or just sharing a, a wonderful observation? I, I guess um, myself trying to find a certain flow or rhythm of what is good meditation or what is. Um, Proficiency. Um, I, I don't know if I should ask when, when will that come or how do I <laughs> achieve that um, or what to expect. Ying. <laughs> yeah. And what you're describing definitely is um, very natural. This just comes and as we begin to engage with the practice. Um, a lot of what we're encouraging to do in our mindfulness practice is to see if we can drop in 
into the felt sense of your experience. And um, uh, some of the thinking and, and evaluations and so on, for now, kind of just let them be like a breeze, just kind of go through and continue to settle into and the breath themselves. And I and remember one of my teachers, Philip Moffat, often would teach um, renouncing, fixing, judging, and comparing mind <laughs> At the, from the get-go. <laughs> you know, they do come very strong in us. Um, but it's helpful not to get involved in them, at least not right now. Yeah. Want to say anything? I just love your answer. Does it feel satisfying, helpful for you, your answer? Yeah. Great. And then um, just, I don't know if anybody's on YouTube, but there were some people with us last week, or if anybody from YouTube has a question, please feel free to type it in the chat, and Richard will let us know so we can respond to you as well. Great. Do you want to get a mic so you can read it? Yes, please. This is Lindsay, and I would like to ask about the teacher-student relationship. Why do teachers think it is okay to disrespect students' boundaries? Is this a Buddhist teaching? Wow. Mm. Wow. Why is, I'm going to say it out loud again, I'm going to repeat it. Why do teachers think it is okay to disrespect a student's boundaries? Is that right, Richard? Okay, well. Is that a Buddhist teaching? Is that a Buddhist teaching to go ahead and re- disrespect your students' boundaries? I would say no. It's not my teaching, not my intention, not my okayness, and certainly not the teaching of the Buddha. Um, the Buddha, you know, his teaching is about non-harming. The Buddha teaches us not to harm ourselves, not to harm others, and not to harm both. And that that should be really the guidance by which we choose everything we do. And uh, when he was teaching his son, Rahula, when Rahula, I think it was when he was eight, um, he told Rahula to reflect before he did anything and to consider Will this cause harm to yourself, to someone else, or both? And if you think it will cause harm, don't do it. And then he said, if you think it, it will, if you think it won't cause harm, go ahead and do it. But then while you're doing it, pause and reflect as well while you're doing it. Is this causing harm to myself, to others, or both? And if the answer is no, continue. But if the answer is yes, stop. And then, when you're done, Rahula, stop and reflect. Did it cause harm to you? Did it cause harm to others or to both? And if it did, don't do it again. So that's my, my thoughts about what the Buddha would say. Ying, do you want to add to this? Yeah, I feel the question is rather uh, loaded mm-hmm. and... Uh, feels like it, it may may take a little more um, 
understanding in terms of where it's coming from. But I really appreciate what Tanya highlighted in terms of non-harming, in terms of uh, relationship with others, whether it's student, teacher, or with just anyone uh, that we're interacting with. I think I'm not going to mention the teacher's name. Okay, yeah. But, okay, this happened to me on a retreat in Pecos in August with a teacher, and I am still traumatized. Yeah, sorry. I'm sorry, Lindsay, that that happened to you. And, um, I, you know, I don't know who you can talk to, but I would, you know encourage you to maybe where you is there a retreat center or an organization that that is connected to this teacher or where the retreat was offered that you might seek some support um yeah yeah that's you know yeah that feels very very tender and uh um Getting some support and help yeah. uh, may feel may feel uh, appropriate. I, I don't know where it was, and I probably wouldn't know anything about them. I don't. I'm pretty much focused about IMC and IRC is where I teach and practice. But I know we have we have a council that is designed to uh, offer support if if somebody feels like something is unethical is happening so i think you know the vipassana meditation institutes that i'm aware of have something similar where you can get some support from the institution or the the organization Um, and i hope you do i really hope you do because that's not something i think is good to hold in on your own it's it's that's very, very difficult. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Richard. Okay. I think, yeah, yeah, I think we need to probably shift, but, um, uh, you know, Lindsay, you could also go to the Insight Meditation Center website, and there's a chaplaincy council or a, a place that you can email and, and um, maybe ask for somebody to respond to you. Um, so you could kind of pursue getting a little bit more direction than we can give you during the class tonight. But thank you for being here yeah. and for sharing. So emotions. Wow, I'm feeling emotion, right? Yeah. This is a, you know, um, and I know that, um, you know, there's a, a lot of people probably in this room even who have experienced boundary violations. So everybody, if not you, then somebody you love, you know, and so I know I can feel that trauma in my body right now. So, Yang, what do we do when we're practicing with emotions? <laughs> yeah. 
So maybe it's a good segue to shift into just bring some understanding in terms of this whole world of our being human, and that is the emotional world. I think this one particular question already evokes in all of us some sense of relational emotional relationship with them, and so. Emotional world is huge, and the first thing I wanted to name is just to kind of highlight some of the big ranges of emotions, right? And we have maybe very subtle kind of, kind of very slight irritation kind of emotions to very dramatic, big energy kind of emotions. And that sometimes traumatic, and that we were just hearing an example of this, and and other times are just um, I don't know. One example that came to my mind was um, my teenager son uh, got into a school of rock house band, which is kind of you know a, a really good band with all the people who all the. You know, people who really love the music, and he made it. And I remember he got out. He he heard this news, and then he was literally just bouncing in the house. He could not contain it. Was so dramatic. And so there can be this this huge range in terms of emotions that we experience, and range also in terms of. Uh, the distressful kind of emotions, uh, all the way to sublime, beautiful kind of emotions uh, that we all know—you um, know, fear, anger, rage—all the way to love, compassion, and uh, happiness, joy. So this is a huge territory. And I want to use an analogy, kind of like in the nature, we have climate. You know, in the nature, in our human beings, when we are related to it, it's almost like our inner climate. Sometimes there's a big weather systems come through. Outside in the climate, the same thing. In our inner climate, there can be big systems coming through, weather systems coming through. In various ways, so there's a whole world of emotions exist as human being, and we can't deny. And the other thing I wanted to say in terms of the emotional world is that not only there are experiences of emotions, there are also How we relate to the emotional world. Some of this may be deeply conditioned through the family culture and the broader cultures that we are living in, and this is also related to our emotional world. So, one example of this that I brought with me was that I'm recognizing. For my own culture, and that the culture that I came from, 
And the relationship with uh, our emotional expressions is that of not to let yourself express it so vividly all the time. In fact, you know, a lot of times, try not to express that out. <laughs> and this kind of conditioning, uh, what happens is um, it conditions a certain kind of a behavior or understanding we have with our emotional world. And a deeper conditioning in this way could bring in certain kind of a denial. And, and other cultures could be the very opposite, which is, you know, you're encouraged to express however you want it. And over time, that can also cultivate certain kind of conditioning that, you know, whatever I experience in my emotional world, I'm just going to express it. And you can see that could be dangerous uh, as well. Could be freeing at the same time. Sometimes could be dangerous. And so all of this are part of uh, our emotional world. And um, emotions are also highly connected with the physical and mental being, mental dimensions of our being. Um, when emotions are not understood, uh, kind of uh, carefully, kindly seen, um, and um, uh, being cared for, often uh, emotions can lead to certain kind of a compulsion, compulsive behavior, uh, reactivities along with it. And um, we all know some examples of this. And, you know, if you're really angry, if you're not really aware of what is happening, it's very easy to move from anger to rage to slamming the door or tossing things around in the house. And, and next thing you know, the whole family is not happy. right? And, but this is a kind of a compulsion that can come from uh, not really noticing what is happening within us. And we let the compulsion drive the behavior. Um, and leading to kind of what Tanya was pointing out, the harm, the hurt, and that um, uh, in many different ways, and to ourselves, to the relationship we have with others, this uh, question brought up, this dimensions of hurting the relationships and hurting maybe our own well-being in very many different ways. And I'll also share an example of how emotions might be related to our physical and mental being and well-being as well. And that is an example of a fear. I think a fear is such a primal kind of uh, emotions uh, deeply and kind of in us that um, it can lead to all kinds of um, uh, responses or reactivities uh, of it. And so for me, um, kind of a while, uh, at some some time in my life, I had experienced a lot of fear of driving on highway due to a bad traffic accident. And what I didn't notice was for a while, 
Even if I'm going to some place that I know very well, I would plan it out in such great detail. You know, like which exit I'm gonna go off. Even though I know exactly where I need to get off and how to go, and this、um, excessive planning activity, and not only did not help with、uh, my fear, but rather it、um, uh, aggravated, uh, aggravated kind of into big anxiety. You know, often. Just around the exit, I would kind of get so anxious. Oh, what if I miss this exit? Oh, boy, I'm gonna stuck on highway. <laughs> And、uh, what's interesting about this whole process was, at some point, I began to notice,、uh, oh, this whole activity of a planning underneath of it was a fear. I began to notice that. And. Uh, at some point, I actually stopped planning because I know how to go. And、uh, by stopping and recognizing the fear and stopping the、uh, the kind of agitating activities, my anxiety kind of faded away. And so that was a quite powerful lesson for me. Began to notice. Um, the relationship between emotions and and physical and mental activities that it leads to, and how it might impact my overall well being. And so this was、um, a teaching of the Buddha also, and that I want to、uh, share tonight,、uh, which is this、uh, famous teaching of、uh, the second arrow or second dart. And sometimes that's said. And so, in this teaching,、um, the Buddha had a conversation with、um, uh, a person, and and he asked the the person, "Well,、uh, if you got shot by the、uh, by a dart, would you feel pain?"、And、the person said, "Of course, I'm going to feel pain." And then the Buddha said, "Well, if you got shot the second time." A second dart came, and would you feel even more pain? And the person said, "Of course, you know, of course, I'm going to feel more painful." And the Buddha said, "Well, this being born with、uh, as a human with this body and this mind, the first dart is inevitable. Is we going to get、um, sick? We'll age. Our body will hurt." Will have loss, and that just comes with being human. But the second dart, second arrow, third, the fourth, the hundredth, is what we bring to ourselves, based on how we relate to the first dart. Now, if you got shot the first time, and you get angry, mad. How did this happen to me? That's the second arrow, the third arrow. We're shooting ourselves. Or if you begin to even more criticizing yourself, blaming the whole world, that's additional arrow coming at us. Our mindfulness practice, the Buddha's teachings,、um, is to begin to look at.、Um, 
to take a pause after the first arrow and began to see what might be the wise response for this before we began to shoot additional arrows at ourselves. And the wise response may be that, oh, you know, this um, this arm that's got sh- uh, shot at is painful, and let's take care of the pain, put some medicine on, and allow the uh, healing to happen. Maybe that's the wise response for this. It's not to say that we would uh, just accept this, you know, as absolute way to, to deal with it. But this pausing, noticing what is happening, is that where the power of mindfulness comes in. We can begin to choose what might be wise for us, what might be uh, appropriate for the situation, and notice if additional arrows are coming in. And then we learn to drop the arrow. And then, you know, in our scene, we often say it doesn't matter how many, uh, which arrow, uh, you know, how many uh, arrow were shooting at us, but whichever one that's coming at us right now, we get to notice it, and we can drop it. And so that's the choice we begin to have uh, through practicing mindfulness. So tonight, um, we'll offer. Um, a way to practice uh, being mindful of our emotions and learn how to work with um, noticing what is happening and then see if there is a choice of dropping the arrows. And we'll do that through building upon uh, what's being taught in the first session, which is mindfulness of the body. An interesting uh, interesting thing about the emotions is that Emotions can be learned through an embodied way. Almost all emotions have an kind of imprints in the body. I, I came from a Chinese uh, culture, and, and I'm aware that so many of the words about emotions uh, have a somatic uh, kind of expression in Chinese, like anger uh, is is about heat in the chest. <laughs> if you think about anger or rage, of course you're burning right in the core. <laughs> and then that's kind of the Chinese character for that. Um, and uh, sadness, something happens with the heart. And it's kind of a, it's as if the heart gets hurt. And so you can feel that in our bodies. And so learning to be mindful of our emotions in a way is to begin to learn emotions through our embodied experience. Getting to know how is that expressed in the body. And by doing so, what happens is, uh, is that we get to slow down this process and we can study it. We can study our emotions. And emotions, the word... Um, means that it's something that moves. It's motion. When we're resting, um, when we're uh, settled in our body and noticing our emotions, we can begin to see how the emotions move through the body. And interestingly, all the emotions 
wants to free themselves. They like to just move through us. But when we're kind of engaged in this reactivity, in a way we're trapping them. We don't give them a chance to move through us. Whether it's the tears or the laughters, they have a way to set themselves free if we let them, give them a chance. And so noticing it in the body allow us to kind of let this process unfold in the body and allow them to have a way to kind of live its own life rather than um, us controlling through our beliefs and ideas and our uh, habitual relationships with emotions. So that's what we will be doing. And so with that, we'll do a short guided meditation um, to just work with um, the emotions through mindfulness for a little bit. Yeah, so for those who join us on YouTube, maybe also just take a few moments to find your seat. Um, the first few moments, if you like to move your bodies and shift your bodies a little to let yourself arrive at the, the sitting place, feel free to do that. Yeah, maybe at the beginning of this meditation, just take a few long deep breaths and write out your out breath. And as you breathe out, allow your whole body to settle on the seat or on the floor, the ground. Just a sense of arriving here and now in this body with this mind. An invitation uh, to touch in into the lower half of the body that makes a contact with the floor or the chairs. Maybe you feel the ground or the chairs supporting the body. Maybe a sense of being grounded and supported by the earth underneath of us. Settling down. Maybe you feel some sensations of the touch points. The pressure. The general support. Let yourself resting in that sense of being supported. And from the supported place, 
Maybe allow the movements of the breath to come into your awareness. Maybe traveling to the torso, the chest. Breath is here. Receiving the movements of the breath. A breath happens naturally in the ecosystem of the body. Also, open to the felt sense of the whole body. Maybe a general sense of the posture of sitting. Feeling the weight of the body settling down. Some sensations on the hands or the legs, the feet. It's a life body. There's a rich set of sensations coursing through. Noticing the heat of the breath or the coolness. And momentarily, I invite you to notice the presence of any emotions in your experience. Maybe you immediately notice and being aware of some emotions. Could be curiosity, excitement, confusion. It's quite something we have this capacity to simply know Immediately, maybe some presence of emotions. And if nothing comes to your field of awareness, continue to stay with the body. If a certain emotions is obvious, seen, 
Can you see where that emotion is felt in the body? Is there a felt sense of that emotion in the body? Chest, belly, neck, your face. What is the felt sense of that emotion in the body? If it's not obvious, it's totally okay to simply rest in the sensations in the body. You don't have to try to make anything happen. If you feel or sense the presence of emotion, maybe also notice if there are any reactivities coming along. This should be here, should not be here. I would rather have this go away. Noticing the second, third dart and know that you have a choice. You have a choice to let go and drop back into the felt sense of the body. I'll be ending the sitting with the sound of a bell.
You can stay connected with the body. And uh, allow whatever comes through to be received in the felt sense of the body. No rush to switch mode. So we have a little. Yeah. I wasn't sure you could sound. Yeah, it, it didn't sound like it was on to me. Apologize for a little <laughs> battery glitch here. <laughs> okay. So we have a few minutes for just some Q&A. Any questions you may have about this? I know this is uh, really fast. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anybody here, anything you want to share about what you, you noticed? Yeah. Okay. Something you said uh, really clicked for me tonight, and I may have heard it over and over again, but for whatever reason, tonight I really heard it. Um, You say emotions, Mm. and, and it has the word motion in it, which means or it helps me to realize that they're meant to move through you when you said that I almost want to cry right now just thinking about it um, because they get stuck um, but when when I ca- if I thought I was getting stuck I think about the motion part that you brought up and I, I don't know for whatever reason it really clicked for me tonight and I just want to say thank you. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. So um, I work in a kind of uh, intensive area, uh, taking care of other people. And so I do a lot of compartmentalization of my emotions and my thoughts and my bodily needs. And I think I get a little stuck in that. Um, when we were doing the emotion, I was trying to have some, and I could tell you what my body was feeling, but I couldn't tell you how I felt about it. So I think I need to do some work with, in my downtime, yeah. connecting with how do I feel. Mm. 
beautiful. I think I felt a little bit that way too. I was feeling more the body than the kind of emotions. But the emotion, I, I don't know, I was feeling tired again and I felt, I felt it's a little bit of avoidance. Like every time I meditate, I want to fall asleep. <laughs> so it's like, no, this is too hard. Let's go to sleep. <laughs> so that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I was also, um, I didn't really have a, 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 a strong emotion. It was sort of kind of in the background, very um, minor, but just a little bit of tiredness. And I'm not sure if that's like a, I, don't, I wouldn't qualify that as an emotion, but I guess, you know, I was trying to notice what it felt like, you know, uh, I noticed my, my, it had an impact on my chest a little bit. I was like uh, breathing more, maybe a little bit shallower. And, um, and then I thought maybe, maybe there's some sadness there a little bit too. I just had a, a coworker um, decide he's going to leave today. So maybe a little bit of that. But anyway, it was, uh, how would you deal with or characterize tiredness, I guess, is the question. Yeah. Such a great question. Do you want to take a, take a crack? Sure. What? Okay. Um, well, you said something um, about the, the co-worker. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think sometimes emotions like sadness can make me tired. I feel tired. There's a heaviness to them. Um, so I'm not writing off the fact that you could just be simply tired, but it is a good opportunity to kind of point to how the emotions can give a, you know, drain our energy. Or we can be bouncing off the walls because the, the emotion is a difficult one to sit with, anxiety or, you know, anger often or hard to be still with. So sometimes we're more aware of what's happening in the body than the emotion itself. Um, sometimes we're just tired, and it's just simply tiredness. The body's communicating. It's amazing, actually, right? It, that if the body's tired, we can have an experience that communicates tiredness. So we know we need to go to bed <laughs> or rest. And then sometimes tiredness is, um, you know, um, the result of disconnection, disinterest, tuning out, boredom, right? There's a, um, sometimes tiredness is a result of disconnection and not so much about needing sleep, but tuning out or um, a sagging of interest. Any of that resonate? Okay. Yeah. Do you have any tips for how to invite the emotions to kind of, you know, say, okay, you're 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 free, you're allowed out now? <laughs> sure. Do you want to respond to that? Yeah. So. Um, 
I like the word invite. Um, and um, I want to differentiate that from demanding. So it's good to kind of gently say, oh, yeah, um, all emotions are welcome here. And then you can just let this system um, be this system. And because sometimes the emotions are shy and they are not ready to come out yet. So we can't just, you know, better come out <laughs> now. And so a lot of this is to practice with a lot of space, a lot of permission, a lot of kindness. And say, oh yeah, um, I welcome you. And through my body, through my whole being, my heart, and if they are not ready to show up, it's okay. And trusting the process, and trusting, because this is also, um, then we're also practicing um, by um, cultivating a kind relationship with this part of ourselves, and a um, uh, open relationship, rather than kind of, you know, I need to figure out how to get this out, you know, <laughs> and then let it go through and, you know, be done with it. Because mm-hmm. we can have that kind of attitude. Um, yeah, cultivate a lot of opening, a lot of patience, and uh, trusting the process. Thank you. Anybody else? Get, just get the, get the mic, yeah. If you don't want to go through the Um, for some reason, I took a different approach. I uh, am actually having a great day. No apparent reason. I mean, just for whatever reason, I'm happy. And so I just try to feel that emotion, you know, doing the meditation rather than going into a negative emotion. I just use happiness, I guess. And it's really interesting because by paying attention to that and then just channeling that through, I guess, to the mind, if you want to call it, it's great to feel happy, but then to f- the sensation of happiness, you, you can also kind of perceive it. I mean, I guess in, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a very interesting thing. So I assume that you, you use meditation for all kinds of emotions, right? Oh, Not yeah. Necessarily oh, made, yeah. But also different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But that's why it wasn't green. Oh, wasn't <laughs> oh. So, so, yeah, yeah, maybe repeat. Ahead. I'll just repeat what you said so we have it recorded. And um, so you connected with happiness. How, and your emotion, that's what was apparent. And so that's what you practiced with in the meditation. And you felt it. And so feel free to turn that mic back on and clarify and say anything more you want about that experience. I'm sorry, I missed it. Oh, yes. Not just that um, it was interesting to experience the emotion of happiness also as part of you know having it having the time to enjoy I guess um, happiness to not only the sense I mean not only just the perception that I'm happy but rather the intensity of knowing that you know it's happening so 
Mm. That was actually pretty, a very interesting thing for me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So knowing, being, acknowledging it, feeling it, and knowing it's happening, it, it kind of it maybe made the experience even richer for you. You know, it, it makes you then, it kind of like makes it really clear that you're actually mm-hmm. having a great day. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you don't have the time to do that, or, you know, yes. sometimes, you know, you also work with the idea that, well, at any time this is going to end, so you just have to be careful. Yes. <laughs> you know, I darkness is always an inch away from everything, but, but uh, yeah, so that was an interesting thing for me. I love it. You know, just see the whole mindfulness practice has become aware what is happening, and, and it has an effect on you, right? I guess no, noticing whatever kind of emotions, whether it's joy, happiness, or uh, other kind of emotions uh, in us, this knowing of it has an effect on us. And that the clarity of it, you know, really kind of bring a different kind of, um, and I don't want to use the same word, joy, but it brings a different kind of a feeling in us. And... And so this is really a great thing that you uh, noticed this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in a way, we're choosing to live more and more clearly rather than we just kind of get carried away and today is a happy day, but we don't really know. You know, we just go watch TV. (laughs) But we don't really know. Wow, okay, today is a really good day. Yeah. What you were saying that for me, one thing that connects to what you're saying is that I was happy and I didn't have a reason for that. It was just happiness. I mean, there was no explanation for because sometimes you know there are always many ways of saying, "Well, I'm happy today because of this or that, or I did this and that." But through this meditation, it's just the feeling is there. I mean, for no apparent reason, or just for no reason, basically. Yeah. yeah. Great. Sweet. Is a question about emotions? Because I. It's about um, the arrow. Okay. So we'll we'll go back a little ways. Um, If you drop if you drop a lot of arrows, are you allowing abuse to happen? Abuse to happen. Um, it's too hard to answer that question without more information so but I think I think that I'll say something um, which is um, that the arrows the Buddha is talking about are the ways that we add harm to ourselves that it's it's that that's what you know more arrows shot from somebody else is a different thing. The Buddha's talking about the things we do to ourselves, like blaming ourselves, judging ourselves, criticizing ourselves. That's the, the, the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and so on arrows that the Buddha was referencing. And those arrows tend to feed emotional states. So, in fact... Um, there's a, a book called My Stroke of Insight. It's by a, 
a woman who's a, I think she was a brain surgeon or a neuroscientist, Neuroscient. neuroscientist, and she had a stroke, and she writes about it, and she talks about, um, you know, brain research, science that she's done. And um, so uh, her name is Jill Bolt-Taylor, and she writes, the natural lifespan of an emotion, so the average time it takes for it to move through the nervous system and body is only a minute and a half. 90 seconds. After that, we need thoughts to keep the emotion rolling. So if we wonder why we lock into painful emotional states like anxiety, depression, or rage, we need to look no further than our own endless stream of inner dialogue. And that, that, those are the extra arrows. So one of the things we're trying to learn how to do is to be simple with our emotions, not to add all the narrative, not to add the, oh, I agree, I disagree, or I sh- you know, should be this, or should be that, just, just being simple. So ideally, we learn, it's really quite actually empowering to have the experience of noticing an emotion even a difficult one, um, and just witnessing it in a way that allows room for fear to experience it moving and passing. And all you had to do was not grab on, <laughs> right? And so that's that's a not it's simple, not easy, but but knowing. There's something very empowering about really learning this, really starting to recognize, okay, I really, my relationship to my emotion can really fuel it and keep it going, or I can get out of the way. I can stop contributing to it and sort of do what I need to do, learn what I need to learn, feel what I need to feel. And, um, yeah, extremely empowering, extremely empowering and liberating, actually. So um, I'm going to just keep going because I've got to say some other things, Richard. So um, so we've kind of talked about... Um, the other thing to think about with emotions is that they want, not only do they move through us, but they also kind of want us to take certain kinds of action depending on the emotion. So sadness, right, is often heavy and droopy and, you know, that our bodies are actually responding to the energy of the emotion, the movement but then again, if we get overly succumb to it, we, it kind of can keep it moving, right? Anger, we know what it wants us to do, right? To strike out or strike in. And um, anxiety, what, is, what does your body want, you know, what does anxiety want you to do, right? Anxiety tends to make us spin mentally or physically, <laughs> So part of the the thing here is 
the art of not just getting carried by those emotions. So we want to experience them, to let them express themselves, but not get caught in kind of the tidal wave or the repetitive patterning that can happen. So it's, there's this real art to it. And to remember that maybe one thing that helps me is um, not I'm sad, but sadness is visiting or sadness is here. Right? Anger is here. Fear is here. There's something about not using the I am, the identification. Oh, <laughs> it kind of helps there be a dual experience of the emotion and the awareness of the emotion. That can be very, very helpful and useful. Um, this is a quote from Elizabeth Gilbert. And she says, Your emotions are the slave to your thoughts. And you are the slave to your emotions. And that's without mindfulness, right? So your emotions are very much tied to your thinking. And sometimes that thinking is very apparent. And sometimes it's a buildup of emotion and residual stuff. And it's not so easy to decipher, right? Um, and, um, and, you know, here's another inspiring quote about emotions. It's from Helen Keller. And she says, the best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with a heart. The best and most beautiful things in the world cannot be seen or even touched. They must be felt with a heart. So the thing is, we sometimes try to prevent ourselves from having feelings. But what we end up doing is we don't get to selectively choose to block emotional states. We end up blocking all emotional states. So if we block the negative, we're blocking the connection to the most beautiful things in the world that can't be seen or touched, but only felt with the heart. So, having this sense of respect for emotions and that they're part, they're sort of like the color of life. The emotions are like the color of our inner experience. They really add a lot of depth and meaning and energy. Like, can you imagine not having emotions? You know, it's, 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 People who don't feel emotions have a, uh, it's a, not a very rich and rewarding experience. The Dalai Lama is a great example of somebody who can model in these beautiful moments of like allowing sadness and he just lets himself cry for a minute, and moves through when he feels touched. And then the next minute he's laughing and joyful. So it's not about preventing or only having good, you know. But it's about letting it move through in a wise way that we don't become overly identified with and we don't allow to choose how we behave. We don't let the boat get carried out into the storm because we have the anchor 
the awareness. Otherwise, emotions can really carry us away. They're very powerful. One other quote um, before we do it. One more short guided practice is, you can't think your way out of emotions. (laughs) That's by Rick Rorden. And there's a lot of emotions we'd love to think our way out of. Embarrassment, shame, right? Jealousy, greed, resentment, you know, anger. We do a fear and terror. We do a lot of trying to think ourselves out of it. And yes, how we think will change the emotions, but we can't actually just think ourselves completely out of it. It's not just thinking that helps us allow the emotions to move, right? We then can start just keeping them bottled up and then they build up and they build up and they build up. It's been described like a spring where the emotions, we're trying to repress them and we're pressing and they get bigger and they're pressing and pressing and (laughs) they, they, they find their way out. So um, I want to just do a very short guided practice um, and ideally, we're simple with our emotions. Ideally, we just kind of let them have space and we're wise in how we think about those second arrows. How do we not keep it going? 90 seconds, 90 seconds, right? Just if we can step back and get out of the way, it'll move through us. There are times when we it's too much. There's too many things connected together. It's too hard for us to be that simple with emotions. And so when that happens, we have a practice called RAFT. It's an acronym. And this is, this is, a, this is very helpful for us when we need more structure and it's in your handout. Um, it should have the RAFT practice. I think it's written on there, right? Yeah, great. And um, I'll add an extra T to the raft practice, um, which will be easy enough to remember. But, um, you know, we just always were starting with the R of the raft. The R of the raft is always to recognize, like just naming, right? We need to kind of, it's like we need to recognize what's happening. It's part of what helps things move is that they're seen. So when we do raft, the first thing is acknowledgement. Oh, I'm angry. Like, oh, I'm jealous. Can and can when we have those kinds of emotions, can we be that simple with it? Like, oh, not like I'm bad, I'm having jealousy. Just, oh my gosh, look at this. This emotion is here. You know? And the next part is to kind of allow the fact that the emotion is there. It's already here. So we often are like, oh, no, I don't want to have it, right? And it's maybe, you know, sometimes the word accept is used too, but sometimes we can't really accept it. It's like we can't really say, oh, Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah to you. But but can we work with allowing the fact that it's already happening? 
that those neurochemicals are already moving through our system. Right? So can we allow, come into relationship with whatever the emotion is in a way that allows it space, allows the existence of it to be acknowledged? The third step in raft is to feel, to kind of separate out the thinking from the experience in the body. We've talked a lot about feeling an emotion, finding and feeling it in our bodies. So this is, you know, I talked about shining the flashlight. So this is an example of shining the flashlight on a certain part of an experience, the felt sense of the emotion. So how does it happen in our body if we feel jealous? Where do we feel jealousy? Where do we feel happiness? What, you know, the heat, as in the Chinese expression of the anger, right? Like, so what is what is this emotion? How is it manifesting in this physical body? Then the T, if we're still... So at this point, the emotion may be gone already. If you're doing this practice very often, this is... Sometimes it's just as simple as recognizing. Sometimes it just, as soon as it's seen, it's gone. But if we're resisting it, you're going to definitely need to do the allow (laughs) and probably move into the feeling. And then it will, you know, if you can meet it in a way that is sort of allowing and clear with awareness and you're not over-identified with it and you're not shooting those extra darts, then it just, that might be enough. And sometimes it's like, ah, no, it's really hanging in there. So we go to the next process, which is teasing, to tease apart all these different pieces. It might be a really messy soup of things. And we need to sit down, and I, I like this image of a large table with many chairs as you need. And that you take whatever's going on and you say, okay, I'm jealous because they got promoted and I didn't. So that person, I'm going to sit in a chair and I'm going to just sort of let myself notice, oh, how I feel about that person. And then I'm going to go, oh, and I'm judging myself because I didn't do X, Y, and Z. And then I'm going to go, oh, and I'm really embarrassed because I think this person sees me differently now. And then, so that's its own chair, right? And and then there's, oh, and then there's the memory of myself in the third grade and when I, you know, this thing happened. And that's going to come up and it needs its own space. And then it's, you know, belief. There's a belief. I realize that if I was really a good person, you know, I believe good people get good things. And if I would, that must mean I'm either a good, not a good person or my belief is, is wrong. And then that's a disaster. The whole world's going to come apart, right? So that's another piece that's at the table. So the teasing apart of these pieces helps us kind of, um, not have it be so, glommed together and mixed up 
make sense? And then from there, to end the practice, um, I recommend another T. And that T is to represent trust. So what can we trust at this point in this process? Can we trust that, for example, the emotions won't kill me? Can I trust that? Do I believe that? Because sometimes that's, that's what I need to rest in. Just, okay, it's not going to kill me. Emotions come and go. Right? Can I trust that if I breathe it will, you know, and relax, that that will help? What can I rest in to help myself kind of let go of all of this busyness? And I trust that knowing and recognizing is helpful. So finding what you can rest in, you know, is very, very helpful. Can you feel into that? I see heads nodding. So I just kind of talked you through it without really walking you through it, but it looked like you were all moving along nicely in an imaginary process. And I wanted to kind of give time now to ask some questions about clarifying or um, anything about the raft process that that uh, would be helpful to share more about. Richard, could you um, find a link to the series that Kodo and I did? Because I think you attached flyers to that series, and you could direct them to that. Could you do that for the YouTube people? Yeah. So um, there was a request online for the flyers, and they were attached for the intro series I did with Kodo. Um, in August. So if you look on Audio Dharma, the flyers are there and you can download them. And Richard, we'll see if you can find a, a link and share them with you. So great. So any other thoughts? Anything else? We're getting near the end here. Anything else people want to share or ask? What did you do with all those people on the table? Oh, okay. Where's the microphone? So you asked. It's okay. So what do I do with all those people at the table? Okay, great. Great question. So, you know, um, I, I, look, I, take my, I take a look around the room. And I, I sort of respect all of these different components that are impacting me in this moment. And then there's a lot of things I can do with that. Number one is I can decide where I'm going to sit at the table. I can move people around at the table. I can have more space from some than others if I need it. I also can kind of decide to sit down and have tea with one of them and kind of take a little bit of time with them as a visitor. And what is it? Why are they here? What is it that's you know, going on? Or what's the history with my belief around this idea that, you know, if I'm a good person, good things will happen to me? Where did that come from? 
So it's an opportunity to, to sort of disentangle a tangle and start to understand that what created the tangle is a many, many different things. And each thing, I have my own relationship with it. It has its own history. There are things that are making it a lot worse that don't need to be there, that don't really belong there, that aren't really necessary. And it's sort of as soon as you name them, they're like, oh. You know, it can completely change the equation of the experience. Um, Sometimes I'm going to say, I have a lot of work to do with this issue. I can see that this is part of what's happening, is that this one piece is actually fueling a lot of this particular thing, and I need to go do some work in therapy or journaling or um, reading, you know, or talking with family or whatever it is. This, I need to, you know, I need to do something about this because it keeps picking up all these other things and dragging them into this. So... How is that as an answer? It seems okay to me. Thank you. I was thinking more of a process of visualizing the table and will the table change the people that you invite like over the years? Oh, yeah, uh, no, the table's different you, every time. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, in your experience, I was wanted to know if whether... Uh, the table was large with many people, and has they been? You have you released them? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's like every time you do this practice, and and the, the idea of the table for me is actually helps me create space in my mind between the things, right? So it, it, there's something incredibly important about giving things room. And being able to see how it's not all one thing, but it's many things that are coming together. So, um, and it's not, you, you know, it's metaphorical, and and it's never the same room. It's you know, it's not like they just sit around and keep meeting. <laughs> so it's just, it just depends on the situation, and maybe there are certain things that show up frequently, right? Yeah. So I had a, a thought last week um, when we were guiding us through things, and I realized by choosing what I focus on that my thoughts are not me because I can choose to look at them or not, that my pain is not me because I can choose to look at it or not. And that because I can focus on different things, that I am something deeper and more special than all of those. Those are components of the of the the human being that I am. But at the heart of it, it's not me. Profound, profound thing to see. Yeah, that's right. I'm, you know, and who am I? I don't know, but I know I'm not my thoughts. I know I'm. I, not. I found that very helpful to be able to, like you said, it was that putting the distance that because I'm choosing to look at them. Yeah. And that has been an issue that you know has been that that's been that's been a battle I've thought for quite a while, <laughs> and I'm I'm ready to lay down arms. <laughs> nice. 
Any thoughts that you want to, you know, respond to or final? We're at the end, but I'll give you the last word and then you can... <laughs> um, yeah. Well, uh, I know it feels like a lot that we've been sharing tonight. And so I just... Um, uh, maybe the last word is following this raft to the T. Uh, trust the embodied experience. Our body has a lot of wisdom. And so there's a whole series. And even if you didn't go all the way to the end, just kind of really stay with the first one. <laughs> It'll have so many benefits. And so maybe that's the, that's the last word <laughs> that I'll offer. Yeah. And we do have some handouts and, uh, and the, um, I want to mention this book and the issue at hand. And we also have a, uh, the online version of it. And it's a great one to kind of couple with, uh, some of the uh, things that we talk about here are, uh, also, um, Disgusting the book. So, um, yeah. Um, I, hope, I hope this is useful and uh, supportive. Yeah. And for those who are on YouTube also. Yeah. yeah. Very much. Thank you very much, Fuji. I mean, for me, it was fascinating. Mm hmm. So, thank you for Yeah. Great. I'll just repeat that in case people didn't hear it, but you were just that it was you appreciated it. Yeah, great. And it was great. <laughs> Fascinating even. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's great. I, I love the curiosity and uh yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Do you want to do a dedication of merit? Let's do that. Let's do that. And uh, maybe I will uh, invite everyone in. And there's a tradition called the dedication of a merit. In a way, what we're doing here um, is a practice not only for our own benefits, but also for the benefit of others that we encounter. And so may whatever um, goodness that came out of uh, us being together, whether it's a sense of a curiosity, uh, interest, happiness, or just sense of appreciation, or whatever it may be, and what, even just a hint of it, allow it to bubble up in your being. Maybe you feel it in the body in some way. And allow this goodness uh, be a seed that grows, matures, and glows. And may it support your own well-being. And may this glow expand in all directions. May it support the well-being of all beings everywhere. Thank you, everyone, for being here. And I'll ring bell to end.
Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Mm -hmm.